Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Opening day is finally here for the Brewers playing the Cubs tonight at 6.10 p.m. on ESPN. Be sure to watch that. It will be Woodruff versus Hendricks on the pitching matchup. Last night we saw the first two games of the Major League Baseball season, Yankees Nationals and Giants Dodgers. We saw a rain-shortened game for Yankees Nationals. Cole and Scherzer both pitching the full game, going between five and six innings before it was called due to rain. Dodgers offense took over second half of the game after Cueto was removed and Dustin May really improved as a member of the Dodgers rotation now that Kershaw is out with that back injury. But what I'm most excited about is Brewers opening day finally here tonight 6 10 p.m. I'll be sure to watch as much as I can and I'm sure most of you will as we've been waiting for baseball for really for far too long. But Thank you for joining us today, and that will be one of the topics that we will be covering. I'm really excited for this episode. We interview at Brewers Raptor on Twitter, known as Brent Suter's Actual Raptor. So I really was looking forward to interviewing him, and I am and I really enjoyed this interview that I did with Brewers Raptor on Twitter. So thank you for tuning in, and let's go ahead and get started and hear the interview. Today we're joined by at Brewers Raptor on Twitter. His name is Brent Suter's actual Raptor. And uh, he'll be here to discuss some some of the aspects of the Brewers Ball Club this year. So uh, thank you for joining us, John. Hello. Yes, my name, real name is John. I'm sorry to confuse anyone right off the bat. So you're not Brent Suter's actual Raptor? Unfortunately not. I think uh, I hope some people have realized it's kind of impossible, but uh, uh, people still do get kind of freaked out if I like reveal like a face picture or something that's more realistic to my life. So, <laughs> yeah. So, just out of curiosity, how did the account get started? Um, sure. I actually, well, uh, I've had a regular Twitter account forever, and uh, I was realizing it was starting to just be a dumpster fire of celebrities and comedians and politicians and I, I hated every second of it and I started seeing some Brewers accounts kind of pop up uh, I remember like drunk David Stearns and like <laughs> fake Craig Council and and a couple others and I just remember thinking well this is probably super fun they kind of get to joke around as a brewer they're kind of you know they're kind of a fake account so it's like you can kind of be more silly or more out there because it's kind of like a more ridiculous thing and mm-hmm. so uh, at first, my for the first year, because uh, I started in like May 2019 uh, as this account, I was actually uh, Mike Moustak is his actual moose. Okay. So it was Brewers Moose from basically May 19 until he signed with the Reds like a week after. Okay. Yeah, I thought I remembered seeing Brewers Moose at some point on Twitter, <laughs> but I think this version is better. Um, and is there... I'm sure there's more, there's more gifts. Like yeah <laughs> yeah well and there's so much there's so much like interesting content about brent Suter. like i don't know he's just like he's super fun to see videos of him like off the field or just doing like random things like i love brent Suter. 
Um, and yeah, I think it's probably, he's probably more interesting to have like a parody account than for Moustakis. So is there a specific reason that you chose that name or just because you like Suter and he's got kind of a personality? Uh, well, I think it started with just like looking up nicknames. Like I just remember Suter being Raptor and I was just looking for like another fun one that could possibly be an animal, but uh, who knows? I, I remember there was a entire list people had. I think I still have it on my phone, but uh, there were so I like even asked for people to throw out names there, and it was it was very silly. Like I remember like you were like Yelich, Christian Yelich's church and like Woodruff's beard and like all these all these crazy ridiculous ones, but. Uh, that's the one that kind of stuck out to me right away, and I decided to pick that just because mostly the picture was the funniest of a baseball hat on a Jurassic Park raptor mm-hmm. is probably yeah the biggest thoughts of that. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah. So the finalist was that. It was uh, Manny Pina's actual pineapple, <laughs> uh, Brandon Woodruff's ginger beard, oh, the Church of Christian Yelich, uh, Keston Harry's stepdaddy, uh, Brandon Woodruff's ginger beer, <laughs> so it's just been a beer, a ginger beer with his, like, number on it. Uh, Craig Council's actual council, and then Robin Young's actual Robin, so. Okay, uh, yeah. Feel, feel free to steal any of those okay. people who are looking into the same thing, but, uh, <laughs> but that's uh, what people suggested, so I kind of landed on that one, and then it, it, seemed, it seems to be doing well so far. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so did you grow up as a Brewer fan, like, in Milwaukee, or... Anywhere else? Yes, I did. I actually grew up in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Okay. Which is kind of in between Madison and Milwaukee. Uh, basically, my dad had season tickets, so, you know, back when they were affordable. And so we used to go, like, the third baseline back in, like, 92, 93, just sit there in, like, the eighth row. Uh, I don't, I, I still have a Robin Yount poster from, uh, like, a free giveaway that day. Like, it's still hanging up in my basement because uh, of memorabilia thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just remember always getting, I got to get a Snickers ice cream bar at some point. That was, I just, that's like my main memory from oh. Brewer games as a kid. So, and then, so you, um, so you grew up in that kind of the, the bad era of the nineties baseball for the Brewers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I remember the old symbols and, you know, John Jaha and, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And everyone like that. But then also, you know, going into like the 2000s, that was my high school age. So we would go to Miller Park all the time because it was super cheap. So, you know, a bunch of my friends, we would just go to Miller Park, you know, split parking for a car loaded in a minivan, get a, you know, $10, $12 tickets, just sit up there and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mess around for three hours. So, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, I never had the joy of going to County Stadium kind of wish I was able to, but I wasn't around yet, um, unfortunately. Although I definitely don't miss growing up during the era of 90s baseball for the Brewers. Right, it's a, it was a hard time. I just finished, uh, I don't know if you read them at all, the, the new 50 anniversary books that are out right now. Yeah, um, I haven't read any of them, but uh, I've I've looked at like previews of some of them. Yeah, basically it was just an endless cycle of having good prospects, not wanting to spend the money, and then shipping them off. It was like a whole cycle of that in the 90s, and uh, yeah, sadly that's uh, kind of what the Brewers did. Uh, I'm not sure what happened or why that got stuck in their heads, but Mm -hmm. 
but it's got a good insight. I, I, I highly recommend it. Adam McClavey's got one, and then uh, Tom Hardercourt Court for the Brewers. Okay. Uh, Adams is Adams is fantastic. I mean, Tom's is great too, but Adams is like the pictures are kind of clearer. Uh, it's not just Journal Sentinel stuff, and it's like it's it's like a bigger book, and it's it's very cool. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll definitely check those out. Yeah, were you so were you a fan during the home run chase with Sosa and McGuire since a lot of those games were against the Brewers? For sure, uh, I remember that season really well. Uh, like especially when they did the Sports Center thing uh, this this year, the mm-hmm. documentary series. It yeah, was weird because I just remember every, every night me and my family would or friends we would sit down and watch those games, the Cardinals and Cubs games, just because because it was a big home run race. So. Yeah, I remember that fondly. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, like, because, you know, the, they always talk like Bud Selig or um, I actually have talked directly with Bob Dupay, who was the COO of Major League Baseball at the time, and both of them were saying they, they really regret how they did not act quickly on, on banning performance-enhancing drugs. But, like, yeah, that's one way to look at it, and I think that there was some harm done to the game by PEDs, but at the same time, like, that home run chase captured really a generation of baseball fans that I don't know if we'd have without it. Well, for sure. It, did, it, it basically did save baseball, especially, you know, with a strike in between there. And uh, at first, because I covered in the documentary a little bit about how at first, I know a lot of players would just go to like GNC and get these pills, which I think to me, it's not going to hurt anything. I mean, a lot of it's just witch doctor pills anyway. Uh, but there's definitely clear steroids being used, and mm-hmm. I think that the, almost the overreaction is kind of what, yeah, did end up hurting baseball just because, you know, then you have Braun, who, again, I'm not going to defend what he did, but he literally took a banned cream that was helping with him with injuries, and as we can tell now, his body is very prone to injury, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a very, he's a talented athlete and one of the best baseball players ever, but unfortunately his body doesn't let him be. And uh, the fact that he wasn't injecting himself with, like, steroids every right. day or just having Jose Canseco, you know, inject his butt with syringes every game. He was taking a cream for his elbow. Yeah. Uh, that's, such a, that's such a big difference to me that I feel like it's such, so generalized now that mm-hmm. that's the overlying thing is that, you know, the, all these people were cheaters, they did steroids, uh, but really I'm sure half those players just took a cream or something that somebody mm-hmm. had <laughs> to help them through injuries. Right, and it almost is like MLB makes an enemy out of these players. Some of them, like, I mean, I think it's been established pretty well that Major League Baseball does not do a good job of marketing its own players, but it almost seems like at times they, they like, want fans to dislike people like Braun or guys who have tested positive for any form of PEDs. But on right, a different, and, and there's different steps. But yeah, they, they just didn't take the proper steps to be like that because it was just like all or nothing. Which I understand you kind of have to. Because right. They were they were definitely in deep trouble for not getting a handle on the situation. And then when it all exploded, it was it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on a different note, uh, what was your favorite moment as a Brewer fan so far? Uh, I think a lot of people can't. You can't. It's hard to get past like the 2008 wild card game against the Cubs uh, I remember being in my friend's house and it was like that and the Packer game the Packers were getting like destroyed by the Buccaneers I think it was Aaron Rodgers first season so they went they didn't have a good record mm-hmm. and uh, we had like both TVs going and then we switched on the Brewer game and then the also Marlins Mets game because West oh Helms yeah West Helms <laughs> yep. yeah 
Yeah, uh, that was so, that was probably West Helm's biggest moment for the Brewers. Actually, not probably. It was. No, for sure. It was it was a huge contribution after he wasn't on the team. Because uh, I, I I was just researching West Helms, too, because I wrote kind of an article on him, uh, or just like Brewer memories. And, like, it, it's it's crazy how when you watch that old game with Ben Sheets where he had, like, 15 Ks and they were, like, trying to talk him up. It was mm-hmm. it's hilarious to see those older games. But, anyways, uh, the 2008 wildcard game was huge. I mean, when they won the division in 2011... Uh, I went to a playoff game in 2011 for each of the series, uh, but I would probably say my uh, the moment I remember the most is my buddies and I. I think it was during college. We went to see when it was Prince Fielder and Ricky Weeks home run first. Oh, game, okay. First home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in the bleachers, like it was overflow seating because everyone wanted to go see these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were in like right field, it was packed, and like both home runs got hit into our section. Oh, and it was just, it was, it was nuts. I've never been like a like a crazier atmosphere than that night. Like just people being excited about the Brewers again, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a lot of. It, I mean, I I didn't really. I was extremely young at that point. But it seems like there was a lot of renewed hope that there really hadn't been in 15 plus years since maybe like the late 80s, early 90s, when they still had some of those guys like Yount and Molitor. But yeah, 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 I I was like kind of my first memories of Brewers baseball was that 2008 season. So I remember being like really little and still seeing CC Sabathia just dominate. And that was, yeah. I, I didn't realize how incredible it was at the time, but now looking back, like that is one of the, the most incredible half season stretches of any, really of any pitcher in recent memory. And yeah, I saw a stat that was something like CC Sabathia led both the AL and NL in complete game shutouts in 08. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And the fact that he was on board for it the entire time, I know. Like he knew what he was doing. He knew he was playing for a contract, and he just dominated the entire league. Like it was, it was. I've never, yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. Of just complete games where, like, well, he went out there, and then, you know, even when they, when they went into the playoffs, everyone's like, well, oh, oh, he's human. Oh, okay, I get it. Like he just had, right. he gave it all in the regular season. Yeah, so. yeah, but of course, then they they wouldn't get there, not even close, without his contributions. No. Yeah. So looking at at the the ball club for this year. Were there so the Brewers had a lot of turnover in the off season, Mustakis and Grindal being the primary ones gone and brought in some new guys. Are there any players that you think that it was kind of a mistake to either let go or bring in? Uh, I feel like they they could have definitely brought in Mustakis or Grindal. Uh, I think it was hard because. In reality, now that you think about it, they were definitely thinking about Yelich. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were basically concentrating on him, and so they offered them good deals. And you know, they couldn't let the cat out of the bag. I'm sure they were dying. Stearns was dying to be like, "Hey, we're signing Yelich long term. Yeah. You should be here, so we have a you know we have a real chance." But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I get that. Grandal and Mustakis both are getting their big contracts. Like this is their last major contract and you can't compete with that money right well yeah and the thing was the brewers cut it seemed like about a comparable amount in payroll to what grindal would be paying excuse me what grindal would have been paid or what he got paid from the white Sox. so i'm I'm not sure and i I think that owners always love to talk about the like oh we don't have any money 
it's just kind of a narrative that fans usually accept. I don't know if that's always true. I think in some cases, but not always, especially when you have a team like the Brewers who their payroll was only, what, about $110 million and they made the postseason good attendance, even in a small market. But yeah, I was I was a little disappointed about Grindall for sure. And I don't know, I was excited that Moustakis did get that contract. I feel like this kind of the contract that he deserved two years ago when he hit free agency for the first time and really there were no takers on him. Right, right. That's, it was almost more surprising that they didn't, they weren't able to sign, like he wasn't able to get that big contract, but he gambled on himself and so did Grandal and it, it worked out huge. Uh, I think a lot more players are probably going to start doing that, especially if they don't get those monster contracts right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not like, you know, like Justin Smoke this year for the Brewers. I mean, it's a very, you know, low risk, high ceiling, you know, especially and then the pitchers we have and everything else. So uh, it, it's, it can be frustrating, but you know, it's, when you see, you know, Manny Pena in this first couple of weeks in these exhibition games and then uh, Narvarez, we might be fine, off, you know, uh, mm-hmm. offensively together than combined. And I feel like they're they're trying to do depth this year over uh, big position players. And Agreed. Just because I think they're already looking in the future. I mean, they want to sign Hira for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, he's going to be an absolute stud. I mean, he could even be in the MVP rolling this year or next year. Uh, depending on how hot he gets, and then Woodruff. I mean, they're going to want to lock both those guys up. Yeah, uh, their future. They're they're all stars and future all stars. And then you have Yelich and Hira and Woodruff locked up for the next five six years. You can start pulling in pieces here and there and, and bringing people up and trading. I mean, it's not going to be the yeah. You know, it's it's always a big game, especially if Gamble keeps rising too. And then that's crazy if he mm-hmm. if he keeps breaking oh, yeah. out like he's doing. Yeah, it almost seems like with those young guys that the guy who won't get extended is Hater. I think that like he's he's clearly one of the best relievers in baseball. It just seems like the Brewers aren't going to be willing to shell out that much money to a reliever, especially a guy who's been used a lot in his first few years. And realistically, he doesn't seem like a guy who will be able to pitch like really well into his 30s. Yeah, I have no idea. It's, yeah, it's hard to tell, but I agree. I, I think Council's basically burning him out uh, and it, on purpose because he has him. He's like, we've got this stud reliever. He is ridiculous, and you know we're going to use, use him as much as we can because I really think they all know that he's going to be in like a Red Sox uniform, a Yankees uniform, mm-hmm. Phillies. Like, he, yeah, he's definitely going to sign somewhere huge. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and they do have him for at least a few more years, but I am kind of curious to see if they decide to trade him before his contract or his his arbitration years are done because he seems like a a guy that the Brewers would trade before he hits free agency. The Brewers, of course, are a small market team and usually they'll try to get more value out of them. I know there were some some trade talks related to him last year, but it seemed like like Miguel Andujar for Hayter. I don't know why the Brewers would accept something like that, even if like their war numbers maybe line up. Like it doesn't, yeah, that it wouldn't make sense, especially on a contending team like the Brewers. If you take Hater away from that bullpen, that is not a very good bullpen anymore. Yeah. So, and I think also it will be interesting to see if Hater can be better. He has shown his change up this summer, this summer camp, and apparently it's looked pretty good. Knable's coming back. So Hater could slot back into that kind of bridge middle inning, like five, six, seven 
inning type reliever with Knable maybe at the back end of the bullpen. I don't know. I think that could help him. He was in that role and a little bit more successful a few years ago. Well, right, especially, say, if somebody like, you know, Ray Black uh, can stay healthy and control that fastball uh, and just kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. And you have him and Knable and, say, you know, even Peralta. I, I still think Peralta could be a closer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know they want him to be a starter, but if he can get that heat under control and just have those couple for four batters, Mm-hmm. I think the only issue with that is that his first innings are usually terrible. Yeah. So that would be his save inning, uh, and I think that's I don't know if that's what they're worried about. But I I, I think he should be a closer. But I, I know they want him to start right now because they need him. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you feel about the rotation? Of course, Anderson went down. Brett Anderson with injury, and Lauer still getting back up to speed. So it looks like it'll be Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. Hauser and Lynn Bloom. What are your thoughts on the rotation? Do you think it's thin? It's weak? Do you think there's a lot of upside there? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I would put uh, thinner, thinner to huge upside, just basically because uh, Hauser looked great uh, in the White Sox game. Uh, Peralta and Burns could have huge comeback seasons. I mean, Peralta was fine last year, but Burns, uh, this, I mean, everyone's predicting, even experts are saying he's, he could have a huge comeback season, mm-hmm. uh, end up being one of the Brewers' best pitchers, uh, could be, you know, a 1-2 with Woodruff uh, down the line, which would be excellent. Uh, but I even said on Twitter, I mean, can you imagine if it really was because he wore those glasses? Like, he got LASIK surgery, and then all of a sudden, he's yeah. like the best pitcher. It'd be, it'd be ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Uh, Hauser looked great. I mean, that's the thing is, if these guys take their next steps, we're fine. It's just that last year, the fact that the Brewers were so successful with Burns taking a step back, no Knable, uh, didn't have a huge, you know, Davies was fine, mm-hmm. uh, but Eric Lauer is basically just a Jack Davies. Uh, right, <laughs> right. Straight up trade, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, it was really just Grisham for uh, Urias. And, yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, I have no idea. It's it's very hard to tell. I'm not super optimistic, but yeah, it's hard to hate the rotation too, just because they, they've seen so so many flashes this this mm-hmm. spring. Yeah, and I think Stearns positioned them well because if they can get some of those younger guys to take the next steps, we have like Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, and Lauer all long term, and so kind of like we, we were you were saying earlier with positioning for that Yelich extension. The Brewers aren't necessarily in like a total win now mode. Of course, they're trying to win right now, but they're also trying to balance it since they do have Yelich for a while. And it's not like they have to quick try to go for it for a couple of years before Yelich leaves. For sure. And then, you know, Lindball might end up being a great signing too, like the Thames one where, you know, mm-hmm. he might come and as long as he's, you know, like seven, seven and five, you know, eight and eight and four with, you know, a three, four, 3.4 ERA, we're good. You know, that's right. Right. Like a back end guy. Yeah. yeah, 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 and there is definitely tons of upside. I actually think that everybody keeps saying that the Cardinals have the best pitching in the division, but I'm not really sure exactly what, like, yeah, they do have Molina still catching, and Molina always improves the pitching staff, but beyond Flaherty, their pitching staff, to me, is really not that good. Right, it, it's a, it, they're the most frustrating team in the world because for some reason they always have young people who, like, go upside or, or excel yeah. when they shouldn't. It's super frustrating. Like I'm sure their pitchers will all be great, uh, and it's it's frustrating with that. But yeah, I honestly think it's 
the Reds have the best rotation. Agreed. In the Central, uh, for sure. It's it, but it's hard until the Reds prove themselves one year. It's hard mm-hmm. to ever believe them because all they do is throw money. Right. Every year they disappoint. Right. So it's <laughs> yeah, and as much as I hate to say it, the Cubs' rotation is actually not bad. Still, they don't have much depth, but. They still have Darvish. They have um, Quintana when he comes back from that surgery for cutting himself with a knife. Then they have Lester and Hendricks. And those are all solid guys. It's just beyond that. They have like Chatwood, um, Alec Mills, guys like that, where if they have if they have too many injuries, I don't really see the Cubs being able to withstand the season. Uh, yes, I agree. Yeah, so who do you think is uh, the Brewer, Brewers' biggest sleeper? Like, who do you think could break out in a big way for 2020? Uh, if it's not uh, Burns, I think it'll be... I feel like that, like... I'm feeling like Sogard could have another huge year as a utility player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hitting well. Uh, also, Brock Holt... Uh, might surprise. I feel like one of those two guys are going to break out and take over third base. Uh, I hope Jericho's good, uh, but he's super slow, and yeah. so I mean, I just hope that doesn't, you know, weigh him down. I mean, when you look at like the slowest players in the Major League Baseball, Jericho and Smoke are two yeah. on the top top twenty. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, ho- I'm I'm assuming what they're doing is, you know, these guys are going to hit, they're going to get on base, and then hope for the home run. So they don't have to right. run. I mean, really, that's <laughs> yeah. that's what the point is. Yeah, They're yeah. Kind of money, money balling it in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. I'm really curious to see how Smoke is with the Brewers. He uh, like he was an All Star not too long ago, and last year his his like surface level stats were not good. But when you looked at some of the no. the batted ball profiles, he was hitting the ball really well. His walk rate was still pretty good, and you know I'm curious to see also because left handed power hitters thrive at Miller Park and he's a switch hitter but still most of his at-bats will be from the left side I think that he's a guy who could break out and he's not really expected to like be a a middle of the order power guy so I think that that kind of the lessened pressure could help him also play hitting in that like sixth seventh spot and providing some pop there oh yeah absolutely I agree I, I hope Smoke has a great year I mean he, yeah, he can crush the ball sometimes so mm-hmm what are your thoughts on the universal DH? Do you like it? Do you do you like hate it? I know some people are. I myself, I'm kind of indifferent, but many are are adamantly against it. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's. I mean, I I love baseball. I don't I don't mind the National League hitting. Uh, just the only downside of the DH is that Woodruff doesn't get to hit. Yeah. That's really the only downside to this because he, he's, I love him at the plate. He's so much fun to watch, but being able to have Braun, uh, stay healthy and hit every day is a, is a crazy thing that you mm-hmm. know, is possible. Like yeah. the fact that he can be in the lineup every day and not be a hundred percent and just swing the bat and not have to jump around. It's just going to help the Brewers. I, I don't see another team that it could help as much really. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And even on the days that Braun might be playing, having some at-bats still for Hira or Yelich if they have like a like a half day off kind of thing where they just hit, I think that could benefit them a lot, especially Hira since he's not, not a very good de- defensive player over at second base. And I was also... No. 
Yeah, I was also looking at some of the other NL Central teams, and I think the Reds will benefit from it. They have like six outfielders, so they'll probably benefit from it. But like the Cubs, I don't even know who their DH will be. Like it might be someone like Victor Caratini or David Bodie or someone like or like the Cardinals. They don't really have much depth offensively. They traded away Jose Martinez, who's like the perfect DH candidate. So um, I think it yeah, I think it will work to the Brewers advantage this year so yeah so do you see the brewers as the best team in the division maybe like fourth i know a lot of national pundits are saying they're the they're the clearly the fourth best team in the division where do you think they rank of course pirates being last where do you think they rank among those other four teams uh i my my personal thoughts is they're gonna go 39 and 21 and be second in the division uh, and then make the playoffs because it's extended it, because of the extended playoffs thing. Uh, but I, I see them going to the postseason again, and then it depends on if they get hot or not. Uh, they have a they have a solid team. Uh, it's just that the Central's going to be a bloodbath. And yeah, uh, if unless the Reds really do come out strong and surprise people, uh, I mean the Cardinals are solid. Cubs are not a bad team, so mm-hmm. it's it's going to be tough. And but I still think they're going to pull off enough wins and especially Council with this shortened season. He's just going to burn those arms out and yeah, uh, and use them to his advantage, which is what the Brewers are good at. Right. Yeah, I almost think that having Council there, I don't think other fans from other teams realize how good Council might be in this shortened season. And also, I think that it I, we don't we have no clue how it'll turn out. But if, if a, a lot of players get covid or players aren't able to stay healthy during the start of the season because they're not fully up to speed that i think that actually works in the brewers favor because they have definitely have more depth than any of the other nl central teams for sure so yeah i would i would personally say they're probably second best in the division also and and you you already you must have read my mind because i was going to ask for a win-loss projection (laughs) So, yeah, 39 wins, though, you are projecting. I would go probably about 33, but I still think that that'll be second in the division since, yeah, it's really going to be everyone beating up on themselves and then all of us probably, all the NL Central teams beating up on the AL Central teams like the, the Royals and the Tigers. But, yeah, no, I'm, I, I definitely think that the Brewers could buy for a playoff spot. And, yeah, there were there are talks. I heard that that there might be 16 teams in the playoffs. They might there might be 10. They still haven't decided yet, um, even though it is opening day, or at least as of this recording, they hadn't decided. So yeah, it will be interesting to see. And if the Brewers make it to the postseason, I think they can ride that bullpen again, like they did in 2018. Hopefully, get past the wild card game, uh, unlike they did, unlike last year when they lost to the Nationals. Yeah, that that those acts of god yeah i know (laughs) it was it was crazy watching that game because yeah it was they were up three to one and then within five minutes they lost i still it i yeah especially when you go back and you watch juan soto's bat against hater like Mm -hmm. i've never seen a man more confident in his life against like the best relief i know like it, it was yeah and lefty on lefty too Soto's not great against lefties. Uh, I, 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 even though like I didn't have that much confidence in Hater going into that game for whatever reason, he was kind of burning out towards the end of the season. But still, I that was yeah. Soto, 
Like, it felt like watching that at bat, you knew Soto was going to get a big hit. Well, and then the, it was just like the bloop single, like the broken bat single, mm-hmm. the, where he randomly hit it off the barrel of the bat, but it was a hit batter. Like, it was just that whole inning was something that you couldn't repeat or, like, make up if right. you wanted to. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did seem like a an act of God that he wanted the Nationals to win or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, John. Uh, it was great having you. And uh, just remind the fans, where can they find you on Twitter? Sure. Uh, I'm at Brewers Raptor. Uh, I have a website, so it's on my profile. Uh, I do some stand-up and comedy, so that's also out there. Uh, I also write for Wisconsin Sports Heroics and NFLanalysis.net, uh, so you could check out some of my articles on there. So busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us, and hope that... Um, I know that you're ready for opening day. I hope all our fans are just as excited as we are. Thank you, John. Many thanks to at Brewers Raptor for joining us on this podcast. It was an interview that I really enjoyed doing. And there's actually been some significant news that has come since we recorded this interview just yesterday. MLB announced yesterday that there will be a 16-team playoff. And that is really some breaking news that came out on opening day yesterday and so the details of that format will be 16 total teams meaning eight in each league three division winners make it three second place teams make it and then two wild cards so to speak and the three division winners will be able to choose who their opponents are for the first round of the postseason and there will be no buys The first series will be three games all at the home team's park. So, for example, if the Brewers were to get the two seed, let's say Dodgers 1, Brewers 2, Braves 3, Dodgers would choose among the rest of the teams who they want to play, Brewers then choose who they want to play, and then Braves, and then each of those three teams would host all three games in a best two out of three series, and those would be taking place before the traditional division series round. So that really bodes well for the Brewers' playoff chances. It seems likely that we could see three or maybe even four NL Central teams making the postseason as a result. And so big news coming out of Major League Baseball yesterday on opening day. And that will really change the landscape. It'll be interesting to see how it changes things like the trade deadline, buyers and sellers. Will maybe some rebuilding teams that get hot at the right time buy at this trade deadline instead it's certainly possible and so that is one very interesting thing to watch for this season and i actually am overall pleased with it since i think that this is a great year to experiment with some different things even though in general i am not in favor of expanded playoffs additionally the brewers announced their opening day roster yesterday and so the starting rotation that they will be having will be in order woodruff burns Peralta, Hauser, Lindblom. Their bullpen will consist alphabetically listed as Alex Claudio, JP Fireisen, Justin Grimm, Josh Hader, Corey Knable, Mike Morin, David Phelps, Brent Suter, Bobby Wall, Devin Williams, and Eric Yardley. Not so many surprises there. Mike Morin and Justin Grimm both earning spots as non-roster invites, and JP Fireisen will be making his major league debut Bobby Wall and Eric Yardley, along with Devin Williams, making their first opening day rosters. Overall pleased 
with the Brewers' choices there in the bullpen. Of course, I love Eric Yardley as a reliever there. And then on the position player side of things, Omar Narvaez and Manny Pena as the catchers. No surprises there. Orlando Arcia, Jed Jerko, Keston Hura, Brock Holt, Logan Morrison, Justin Smoke, and Eric Sogard will be the infielders on the roster. Luis Urias starting on the COVID-19 injured list. So he will be out to start the year, but could join the team as soon as a week or two from now. And then outfielders, Ryan Braun, Lorenzo Cain, Ben Gamble, Avisail Garcia, and Christian Yelich. Braun, not a surprise, but his status was a little bit uncertain going back just a couple days ago with the, some of the lingering back, neck, and oblique issues that he was dealing with. So it's good to see that Braun was able to to heal fast enough and be able to make it onto the opening day roster. He was able to play against the White Sox in their exhibition game on Wednesday, so that certainly helped his chances of being healthy. But overall, good to see Ryan Braun back on the opening day roster. And overall, I think that there weren't many surprises with the roster that the Brewers are deciding to roll out. Again, the injured list players, including the COVID-19 list, will be Luis Urias, like I mentioned before, Angel Perdomo, also on the COVID-19 list, as is Eric Lauer, and Brett Anderson, and Ray Black will be starting as members of the injured list, like I mentioned in the previous podcast. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com is where you can find our blog. If you would like a bird's eye analysis of our roster, be sure to check that out in the blog. It was one of the articles that I posted fairly recently, and so it gives a little bit of a brief analysis on each of the players that the Brewers have, many of them being the ones that are on their opening day roster. So make sure to check that out at Brewers Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. So be sure to follow us there and see some of our, our activity and our opinions, our posts. Just be sure to check that out on social media. And thank you again for joining us, and happy opening day, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.